Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody. My name is Melanie Sanoe, and I want to welcome you to the ACB Next Gen and CCLVI partnership to bring you a, a session on smart home um, devices and how to work smarter and not harder. Real quick, before we get started, I do want to give you the opening CEU codes. So the opening CEU code is 93754. Again, that's 93754. And we'll give the closing code at the end, as well as two door prizes. Real quick before we get started, I just want to make this offer. Um, Justin, I can see you in the audience. If you have the ability to um, help us with some of the Best Buy information, um, if you can raise your hand and we can um, add you in here because Kayla is not available. Want me to make them panelist or just... Panelist is fine. Hi, Justin. Thanks for letting me put you on the spot. (laughs) So I do want to introduce um, our panelists for today. um, And then I'll also have Justin introduce himself. So um, we have with us today, Aaron Linson, who's a search consultant at Talantric LLC and an advocate for blind and visually impaired people from Louisville, Kentucky. And we have Tim Schwartz, who's the host of Life After the, sorry, Life After Blindness podcast and co-host of the Royal National Institute of Blind People's Tech Talk, and he's from Cincinnati. And Justin, if you don't mind real quick telling everyone who you are. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm part of the Best Buy Social Impact Team, and uh, I've done a whole bunch of things. I've been a repair agent in uh, people's houses. I've done uh, you know, tech and I was most recently a in-home advisor, and so I help people build their dream kitchens and houses. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. So I do want to give um, all three of you the opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourself. So Aaron, if you don't mind starting. So as Moni has said, I am a search consultant um, at Talentric LLC. Um, What that basically means is I go out on the internet and find information to turn people into potential candidates. Um, This is my passion and it's allowed me to just take technology and, and up it to the next level. Um, I do have my Bachelor of Science in audio production with a minor in communications from Indiana University Southeast. And that's another passion of mine is music and melding it with technology. Um, so I am a musician at heart. Um, although, unfortunately, I do not really enjoy music just because of what I had to go through being classically trained and in a college setting, you get to hate music after your second year in college. So I'm sitting there always analyzing and always having something come to my head. Um, and it's quite annoying. And I can thank my music theory professor and my all actually all the professors at Indiana University Southeast for that awesome um, ability to hate music. <laughs> it, it, it's it's something that I wish I had never um, never had the ability to do. But I I'm also very passionate about helping every blind and visually impaired person that either comes to ACB or who I meet in person or online. Um, it's something that I started actually just joining ACB and getting involved in about six months ago. And I absolutely love it and can continue to be more in the organization, but also helping uh, people from just beginning to where they, you know, where they want to be older and the older generation as well. Great, Aaron. Thank you. Tim? So yes, I am Tim Schwartz. As Melanie said, I am host of the Life After Blindness podcast and co-host on Tech Talk over there in the UK. And thankfully for me, I studied music education for only one year and then switched things up. And so I do still love music, although music brain, as I always call it, does get in the way sometimes. So I completely understand where Aaron's coming from. This Um, is very true. (laughs) I actually, uh, coincidentally enough, did work at Best Buy for a few years through college. So uh, uh, I know that experience as well and uh, working in the 
in the computer department and uh, I was a supervisor there for a while, years and years, years ago. Um, so yeah, my, my love of tech. And since losing more and more of my vision, I had actually worked at the government for about 10 years and decided, you know what, I have other bigger, better things that I want to do. And so I left the government here about three years ago now, three, I guess it's been about three years and devoted all my time to my podcast and blog and uh, the radio show and just trying my best to give back because I've been given so much um, from so many different people in, in different agencies and, and different walks of life and especially in the blind community, the blindness community. And uh, so I've, I've just been doing my very best to give back. And uh, as I always say on my show, you know, whether you're sighted, no vision, totally blind, wherever you fall into this you know, world of blindness, uh, whether it's somebody in your life or yourself, um, I, I try my best to find an enabled life with blindness. That's what I'm dedicated to on my shows. How can we find a way to enable ourselves rather than look at it as disabled? And so technology, I think, is one of the very best and most fun ways to do that. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. And I'm very, very happy to be here. This is my first panel. So, uh, yeah, um, be nice. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. I appreciate it. Justin, was there anything that you wanted to add? Uh, sure. I can give you a quick wrap of what I do now on the social impact team. We've got teen tech centers across the United States. And so I relationship manage for a couple of them on the West Coast. But I also run, sorry about that. I also run a program called Geek Squad Academy, which is all about getting youth involved with technology. Uh, and so, uh, you know, learning and tech is just kind of my backyard. Love it. Well, it sounds like we've got the right people to start having this this conversation. So part of what we wanted to do today was we wanted to talk about um, the, the wide range of smart home devices from switches and bulbs to ovens and fridges. Um, we wanted to make sure that we were covering the gamut and that we were exposing everyone to more than just the usual ones that we talk about. Um, so, Justin, I wondered if you could talk to us about some of the bigger kitchen appliances, the ovens, the fridges, the dishwashers, um, what brands are better uh, at their accessibility versus others, and kind of that, that Alexa integration, the safety pieces, that whole gamut. Is that something you can walk us through? Absolutely. So as far as looking at smart appliances are concerned, when it comes to like dishwashers or, uh, you know, your ranges and pretty much anything that would be nice to have a timer on, uh, if you look at your major brands, think your LGs, your Samsung's GE, they have integration handled a little bit better because they've got a little bit more time to develop on that. And so uh, it'll depend on what brand you're looking at, whether they want to do Alexa integration or Google Home integration. Uh, and that's where having someone like an advisor uh, comes in handy. Uh, whether you visit a Best Buy, have someone come out to you, even talk to the knowledgeable expert at your Home Depots or wherever else. Uh, talk to them about what you've already got in your house is kind of one of the keys. Um, because it's real neat to get yourself a Samsung dryer and then go, oh my gosh, you know, I'd have to invest into the Samsung smart home in order to make best use of it. Um, especially when we're talking about, you know, citizens with low vision. Uh, it's nice to have something that you can set up a timer or you can have reminders or check the status of on your phone or tablet because it's easy to zoom in. It's easy to make things as accessible as possible. And uh, I, I think the key here is that start the conversation about what you have in the house, whether you have an Alexa, whether you've got a Google Home, uh, maybe you've got uh, Apple HomeKit or you've got a Samsung smart home started, start with what you've already got. Uh, it's, it's a bad move to jump in and just assume uh, and having those conversations early is going to save you some heartache. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And it also helps you prepare if you, if you don't have anything. Um, what kind of accessibility do those large appliances have? Kind of like I mentioned before, especially like your ranges are going to have uh, the capability of monitoring temperature, how long they've been on. It, shoot, even something as simple as, is my oven hot without having to go check in the other room uh, or see that like, man, maybe it's just a hot day, but like, 
the range seems like it's a little bit high. And then you find out you've been running it at 150 degrees all day. Uh, so there's, there's some simple things that you can think of uh, that'll help you out a lot. Uh, but also when I talk about like timers and ease of use, I mean, that goes for everyone. Um, there's uh, some accessibility options as far as like the Samsung smart fridges. Some of them have web cameras built inside of the fridge. So shoot, you could look and see what's going on inside of the fridge. Do I have milk while I'm out at the grocery store? Or two, can I zoom in? Can I see what's going on inside of it? Some of them even with a partner app will let you go ahead and scan the things you're putting in the fridge and set up reminders when, oh my gosh, the sour cream is going bad and uh, you don't want to eat that either. Starting to get a little creepy for me. <laughs> um, I could also see too with that area. You know, we talked about um, labeling systems yesterday with CCLV, the vendor showcase with CCLVI. And, you know, you could even do your labeling system where you, you know, put the date on a, with a large felt tip pen on a label. Uh, just a regular printed label and you could even zoom in with the camera on the fridge that way. And that'd just be another accessible way to, if you have low vision to be able to do it that way. Yeah, that's a great low tech option. Um, if you're looking for an app, like I mentioned, uh, something like out of milk is my personal go-to. Uh, and then you can use whatever accessibility controls on your iPad or iPhone or Android phone as well. Not to necessarily promote brands, but who are the best brands from an accessibility perspective? As far as uh, like smart integration and accessibility is concerned, typically it's going to be your Samsungs and LGs. Um, things like KitchenAid, I love, they're fantastic, uh, but they don't have as much of that integration. And so the extra features aren't going to go quite as far until they start making those. And what are you looking at from um, like a safety perspective? Are there um, are there mechanisms built into them? I know you mentioned like the hot stove. So are, are there other mechanisms that are built into any of these to keep an eye out for from a safety perspective? Your mileage may vary. Uh, so it depends, again, even as far as something as a model can be different as far as accessibility controls are concerned, uh, which is why I advocate having that conversation towards the front, um, it, especially, and I'm not sure about other retailers, but Best Buy with like in-home advisors, uh, we like to start the conversation of what's your budget and what are we trying to accomplish? Not because we want to push you towards more expensive things, but because it helps us get an idea of like, these are the important things that we need to be able to hit in order to make this a success. Uh, and then we can also help you with finding the model that gives you the controls and the extra things that you want uh, before we run into a spot going, oh, shoot, you know, it'd be nice if you spend an extra $200 because this one's got tip detection. Now, as far as like dishwashers and as far as uh, like laundry machines and all of that, pretty much all of them have got tip detection built into them these days. So don't think like you, you come in at an affordable price range, you're going to be lacking for safety. But some of those extra things um, do become available when you start adding those smart sensors and stuff in. Justin, what you said it was tip detection? Yeah, so tip detection has been like a industry standard for a long time when it comes to both your dishwashers and uh, all of your laundry appliances, uh, because it'd be bad if something fell over, especially when they're oscillating or spinning really quick. So <laughs> I was just using the low bar, like everyone should have this. Uh, so you don't need to worry about that as an example. Oh, thank you. just wanted to make sure because I don't know that everybody's heard every every nuance. <laughs> um, so I know that you mentioned washer and dryers too. Um, or is there anything special to know about those or are they relatable to kitchen appliances and the same kind of features? Extremely relatable. I mean, the, the primary smart integration is going to be able to uh, schedule things to run at certain times or to get the notification on your phone when things are done. That way, in case you don't hear it buzz or in LG's case, sing a little song to you. <laughs> yes, my mom sings all the time. <laughs> I think her dishwasher sings too. <laughs> so um, on the cleaning realm, so washer dryers, um, Aaron, can you talk a little bit about um, remote or ab about um, Roombas and the mops? Sure. So there are uh, a lot of like the Roomba products. Um, a lot of their vacuums um, are robotic vacuums, and uh, they 
for description purposes, they basically spin around in a circle and they map out the room that way. So the larger it, it spins and it's, let's say, bumps into something at, let's say, 12 o'clock, it will move a little bit to the right or the left and then continue to make that circle. That way it maps out. Uh, there are some uh, companies' products, uh, NITO, N-E-A-T-O, robotics is one. Um, I had one of, the dev- one of those devices in college, and it actually scanned with a laser your entire map um, and mapped out, or the scanned with the laser your room and mapped out um, where things were and then just moved around them like it was nothing. Um, and... That one was interesting because it could get around and inside of edges where some of the Roomba robots have a hard time because they are circular in nature. Um, so it's hard for them to get into those crevices. They do have small brushes on the side, but sometimes those small brushes still have a hard time getting into really, really, really tight spaces. Uh, in terms of accessibility uh, with the app, um, with applications. The Roomba application is completely accessible. Neato has come out with one. I've not used it, but Neato Robotics does have some models that are push button and you can just start it and it does what it needs to do. Now, there's always the the disclaimer too that I like to say just because it's visual doesn't mean you can't use it with an IRA agent or with Be My Eyes agent as well. Um, but to do some, something independently as far as you can get, and if you can get to it completely, that's a great thing too. But if you need that sided assistance with Be My Eyes or IRA, that is there as well. I always like to point that out to people because they may not know. I would like to have a vacuum in my, a robotic vacuum in my house because it's, they're just awesome and I'm like that way and, and, I'm my fiance calls me lazy, but I just say that the technology helps. <laughs> Whether she wants to think it of as lazy efficient. or not, that's fine. <laughs> right. And it is efficient. It's more efficient than me doing it because I can't see. So, you know, hey, if a robot can do that that way, then by all means, let's let's go for it. But um, no, they they're really I, I would say, so you just like everything else that we're talking about here, you kind of have to look at it as, okay, what is the tool that I'm going to use for the purpose? Or is it something that I can just live without and continue to, say, vacuum my, vacuum in my, my floors the old-fashioned way? Um, some of the robotic vacuums do mop as well, and that just means you put a little bit of water in it, and it uses that um, the water in its tank to mop a mop of floor. Um, I have not seen how well these work. And maybe Justin can talk to how good or not good that those products work. Happy to jump on that for you. Uh, as far as the smart mops are concerned, uh, they generally do a good job with like solid wood floors, right? Uh, if you get into tile with like grout, uh, not so great. Linoleum again works pretty well. It's anything that gives it a lot of texture is not so great with most of the smart mops right now. Uh, I have to believe that they're going to get better. Um, they work decently well inside of my house though which is all maple floors. Um, You mentioned uh, two brands in particular, iRobot and Neato. All of their modern uh, robots have got some form of voice assistant uh, tie-in as well. Um, I think all of them do Google Home and Alexa at this point. Um, I think iRobot is the only one that will work through HomeKit and Siri. But uh, another option for accessibility is you can just tell the vacuum to go clean and do its thing. Uh, so that might be a way to get around it too. Oh, that's good to hear. And I know I, there's a, a gal I follow on YouTube that just got a, I don't know if it's the newest Roomba, but um, it emptied its own trash. So when it docked, you didn't have to, you didn't have to go pulling out the dog hair and all the, <laughs> um, but I guess the newest or oh, one of the newer cool. ones does that now, um, which I'm a huge fan of because I have a lot of, I don't have a dog, but I have a lot of hair and it is all over my house. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the S9 plus. And um, it is one of the more expensive ones, but as far as being able to let it clean itself, 
Man, that is so handy. Uh, Nito, uh, I think, was working on one, but I don't know of one available for retail yet that'll empty itself. Justin, do you know if there are, because I thought that I had heard that there were some less expensive brands that have, I don't know if Shark has one. I thought I had heard some less expensive brands that have vacuums and mops. There are a couple. There's like uh, Bob uh, that has got them. Bob Sweep, I think is the name, um, that are more affordable. Uh, and a lot of them are great. Some of them come with like remote controls. So, so you point at it and then you tell it to go on its uh, journey. So there are ways to operate them without having to physically interface. Um, but when you start to get into the more affordable or entry level, uh, like self-guided robots, uh, they may be entirely reliant on a remote or a Bluetooth connection to your phone, uh, which is where I hate to come back to the same answer, but like ask the questions up front. Uh, anyone, like any retailer who's selling these things should be ready to at least answer those simple questions right out the gate. Like, hey, can I use this from my phone or my iPad? I have some difficulty seeing. Can I use it on my iPad so I can zoom in on things? Uh, all of these uh, should be questions that probably you're already comfortable asking, but two, they should be prepared to answer. No, that's good to know. So um, Tim, Aaron, um, Justin, before we move on to some different categories, is there anything that you all want to add to these bigger purchases and bigger investments? I think I've hit most of my advice, which is I'm talk to <laughs> someone, right? Find, find yeah. uh, someone uh similar to like a in-home advisor that we have with Best Buy so that they can talk to you about what you're going into. Um, and I know that Amazon had piloted a program and I think they're still doing uh, some in-home techs. Uh, typically, it doesn't cost anything to talk to someone on the phone and say, hey, this is what I'm looking at. These are the special requirements I've got. Um, and at least from my perspective, anyone in my industry is happy to answer the questions before we have to set up an appointment. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something important to keep in mind is asking the question, will I need a Amazon device or a Google device in addition right. to this, or will it do it built in? Can I use it with my phone or, or will it even work with my phone? Um, and making sure of, you know, what is that integration? What is the partner that I have to use to make it accessible? Or is it accessibility that's just built in? Uh, as we always say with the, you know, the home assistance, you know, it's accessibility by accident, you know, because it, it just is. Um, but, but asking that question, say, do I need something separate or, you know, well, do I already, as Justin was saying, you, if you already have something separate, then asking, will it work with what I have? And if it won't, then finding out, you know, okay, what is it that I might need? And do I really need that? Do I need this other extra thing or am I good with what it has? So, no, I, I think that, um, you know, microwaves and refrigerators and washer dryers, anything that, that I can talk to or that will talk to me back and give me that feedback in an accessible way, whether it's on my phone or a, a you know smart home device, um, I, I think is very valuable. And yes, with with some of these, they could be lower cost. But then again, if you want some of these extra features, I, I think that it is going to cost obviously a bit more. But it, it, if if you're like me and you go to sweep a floor and you find that you've probably swept the same spot five or six times, um, investing in a Roomba is probably a good idea. Um, <laughs> Because I'm always right. like, okay, did I get that spot? Well, I'll do it again just in case, uh, right. just to make just to make sure I got it all. And right. the Roomba can just take. And now you're working you. harder. Yes, right. I'm working harder right. and not smarter, and that's just right. silly. So yeah, right. no, I think that uh, it, always, always ask questions, definitely. Well, and I would have to also say too, you know, with the more affordable options, you're not really sure what the accessibility of the application is, or when it would ever be accessible. I've run into things where the entire application is not labeled and it just says button all, all over the place. Now there are ways to get around that, but talking to the developer and saying, hey, you know, here's how you can label these buttons. Um, they may take it and they may run with it. And then again, they may not. Um, it just depends on where they're at in their development lifecycle and how many people they have on their development team. And usually with the bigger companies, they're more apt to take your feedback into a higher consideration and make something accessible for you and work with you to fix a problem, uh, from, at least from, from my experience. 
And just to pick up on that real quickly, when we were, my wife and I were looking at new washer and dryer a couple of years ago, and I was trying to figure out what's going to be the most accessible physically, you know, as, as far as tactile, you know, tactile wise of the buttons and, and switches and things, but then what would work as far as an app goes? usually, if not every time, the apps are going to be free to download. The, these big companies are not charging you to download the app. You don't even have to have the hardware to download the app. So you could download the app before you even purchase anything just to see if it is accessible. I did that with several different brands to figure out, okay, well, the machine might be accessible, but it, you know, physically, but is the app going to work for me? And, you know, like Aaron said, yeah, let people know, you know, let the developers know, the companies know if it's not accessible, but if you, but if you do download two or three, four different apps and go, oh, well, this one actually already is. So you kind of get an idea of who already is uh, taking care of it. So it doesn't cost you anything to download an app and just give it a try and, and start from there. That's a fantastic recommendation. I, I know that we're trying to transition to another thing, but um, to your end of uh, downloading the app, sometimes you can reach out to the companies uh, that have developed the app or sell the appliance uh, and ask them if there's like a demo login. Uh, example, when I was an in-home yep. advisor, I would go out to people's houses uh, and I would be making recommendations, but without being able to show them, it's hard to make the recommendation and uh, uh, sell them on why they should be interested in this. Uh, and so a lot of times there's like demo or uh, like sample logins, which will unlock all of the buttons so you can play with them and see what they look like. Uh, they don't do anything, of course, but uh, worthwhile reaching out to the company to say, hey, can I get a demo login? I'm interested in getting this, but I have some uh, accessibility needs. That's a really good call out. I never thought about that. And you're right. Most I don't know a company that charges for their app. You're paying for their app in the product essentially. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Well, if you're okay, we're going to switch gears again. Um, and we're going to move on to um, devices that um, help potentially with um, security, safety, feeling safer. Um, and I want to start off with my favorite. Um, so when we purchased our home, we could finally install things. And I bought um, the Ring doorbell. And my husband was working nights, um, like overnight, and I was home alone. And I live in a very safe area, but you just never know. Um, so my ring lets me, because I can't see through the peephole, lets me pull up on my phone, the size of my phone screen, or I've never done it on my tablet, but I imagine I could do it on my tablet too. And I can see who is at my door. I can see if something's happening on the sidewalk um up you know out front you hear some noises out there um my security cameras that are outside as well same thing i can pull those videos up on a large screen and i can you know either spy on my neighbors or um you know figure out what noise is happening outside <laughs> without ever have ever without ever have wow sorry guys without ever having to make contact with anybody so if there were noises at two in the morning Nobody needed, needed to know I was awake. Um, and then the ring, and I, I believe this is with most, if not all, lets you also communicate um, uh, verbally. So you can talk through the ring at the person who's outside also. Um, so I know for me, that made me just, that was a whole nother level of just feeling safer at night um, or any time, honestly, because you just don't know who's at the front door. Yeah. How many times as a blind person, are you maybe home alone or you do live alone and someone comes to the door and you're not expecting anyone, you're not sure who it is. Yes. You can call to them through the door, but you know, sometimes, I mean, I, I try to be trustworthy and, you know, and uh, <laughs> not worry about things, but if you're alone or even if you have somebody in your home and you want to protect the child or a spouse, just knowing who that is with, you know, if you do have some vision or can talk to them, like you said, through the speaker and, and confirm without having to crack a door or, you know, or yell through a door, um, you know, you can make for certain who they are. And to add on to what you said as well, Mel, that, um, yeah, you could look at that on your iPad. You can even, uh, I believe with Ring and even most others, uh, you could Bluetooth it or get it to a television. So if you have yes. real low vision, you could, you know, put it on your, you know, if you have a big screen or flat screen, you know, television in your living room uh, or a computer monitor that's large, you could bring it up on there and, and see it even bigger than, than even your iPad screen, which I, I'm sure for people with low vision would be fantastic for someone like me who has really no functional vision anymore, just to be able to say, 
you know, who's there or leave the package, you know, on the step, I'll get it or, you know, whatever. Um, it, it's such a, a wonderful thing. Uh, cause I remember back in the days when I, you know, I lived on my own as a bachelor and come, somebody come to the door and well, who are you? What, what do you want? You know, what, what's going on? And you kind of get a little nervous, you know? So, so no, I think it's a fantastic thing for accessibility as well as security. Yeah. And that I know is- that we even do it from a security perspective when we're out of town. So forget being home and being, you know, not be able to see through the people. I can be in California that, you know, 500 miles away or, you know, out of the country and see who's at my door. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's say to add in there uh, with uh, Ring in particular, uh, Roku devices or Amazon Echo shows, uh, you're able to go ahead and pull those up. So you'd say, uh, Alexa, show me the front door. Uh, so if that's a better screen for you, uh, you're able to do that. Uh, you're able to put it on the TV like that as well. Uh, on the Google side, they've got the Nest products, and uh, there's a neat feature. If you're up to paying monthly for the uh, Nest Secure and you know the extras that go along with it, their doorbell cameras, uh, along with really any of their uh, IQ cameras, will also start to learn who is coming to your door. And so you'll be able to take a look and see that, oh, it's Justin that's at my door, uh, and you don't even have to look. It uses machine learning, and it learns their face for you. Um, so that could be helpful, could be scary, um, but it is a, another option that you've got. Wow. It's creepy, but it's so cool. Right. Yeah. And, and very helpful, really. I mean, it is mm-hmm. creepy, but it, it's extraordinarily helpful, especially, especially for us. So I know, Tim, you wanted to talk a little bit about motion sensors, right? Yeah, because it ties into a lot of this as far as security goes, but then there's some other great things that motion sensors do that we'll get into more of what you can tie them into as we go through this session. Um, but motion, se- motion sensors, see now I'm doing it. Um, they definitely can come in many different ways because you could have motion sensors in your house. Uh, so if you're walking from room to room, uh, you could actually have it where if you you know cross through a particular doorway or into a particular room, you could have that sensor set up with your smart home device, you know your Echo or your your Google Home, uh, to or your Nest Audio, I should say. Um, I'm not used to the change. To you know, so you walk into a room and it turns on or off a light, or turns on or off the television, or any kind of thing that you want to set it up to do as a routine within either of those uh, devices. You can have them outside. They have motion sensors that you can get that are, are weather resistant. So you can put them in your driveway or walk up to your, you know, wherever you live uh, so that it, it, it gets you a little bit more of a radius than even the ring doorbell. So the ring doorbell is getting somebody approaching your actual front door and, and does have a certain you know, amount of uh, you know, radius to it that it'll sense people. But if you want to get a little bit further away, if you have a long driveway uh, or, or something like that, or a corner of your house where there's something, you know, there's maybe an animal that's always coming around and you want to figure out what's going on, you know, or, or whatever, um, you can have sensors outside to detect things. One of my favorite sensors, which you wouldn't really even think about as a motion sensor, but I found one of these online and it's marketed maybe more for people that are deaf, but those of us that are visually impaired or blind could definitely use this. And it's a mailbox motion sensor. So you put it on the inside of the mailbox, on the inside of the, the part that you pull down, the, the, you know, the opening. And when that's pulled down and then put back up again, that motion will will notify a, a beacon basically that you have in the house that'll beep uh, or you know make an alarm or, or I think it even blinks you know so that you can see it if you, if you have vision but maybe you're deaf or, or you know whatever um, and it'll alert you that the mails come basically so if you're not sure what time of day they've come or if they're late as soon as that mailbox has been opened and closed that sensor senses that movement and alerts you that uh, you know, that the mail's there. So all those different kinds of applications, I think are fantastic. It's good for security around the outside of your house, uh, you know, and, and detecting those kind of things. But like I said, with the inside, I, I know somebody of a friend who I've done podcasting and radio shows with for many years uh, from the UK. And he has his studio in a shed that basically he's converted this outside shed to a studio. He's insulated it, put soundproofing and everything in there. And he's got a motion sensor. So when he walks in the door of the shed and it detects him walking in, it 
turns on a red light to let his family know outside or in, I guess, inside the house that he's recording. It turns on his fan. It turns on his computer. It turns on his monitor. Uh, or in the winter, it turns on a heater that he has out there um, and, and gets everything set up for him to go to, to go to work and go to his studio. So you can set up routines within an Echo or a Nest Home and tell it, okay, as soon as you detect this movement, this motion, I want you to turn on a light or turn off a light and turn on the computer or turn off the monitor or whatever you want it to do. That's also smart within your home. And to me, I mean, that's, again, it might sound lazy, but it's so helpful and, and such a time saver to make it easier for you to find things or not find things, but get to get things turned on or to get things activated and uh, just get along with your day. So I think motion sensors are, are a really great addition to a smart home and typically they're not as expensive as a lot of the other bigger items we're talking about yes you can get some that are very expensive hundreds of dollars that do all kinds of crazy things and you know you space them out you know every so however many you know yards acres whatever i saw a report or somebody talking about online how they have this large acreage of a farm and they were concerned about, you know, people coming in and doing things with their cattle or foxes getting into their, their chicken house, things like that. And they were using motion sensors across 20, 30 acres to let them know if something was going on. So they would be alerted to, you know, protecting their animals and protecting their land. So, so many different things that you can, you can do with the motion detector. Yeah, I had a uh, client when I used to do in-home uh, installs and repairs that had me come out in order to set up motion sensors really all over their house. Uh, they were mainly tied on to their lights because they had concerns that, uh, because they were fully blind at this point, um, they had concerns that like their friends or their family would come over and they wouldn't be able to direct them to like the light switches. And uh, so that way they didn't have to worry about it. Uh, they had someone come over, everything turned on uh, and then turned off when there was no one inside of the room. Um, but they also had uh, employed smart locks, which I thought was really neat uh, because it was a lot easier for them to just take a peek on their phone uh, instead of walk over to the door and then sh like lock and unlock the door to make sure that they saw that it was locked. Uh, it was a lot easier for them to look on their phone. Uh, so I installed a smart lock there. The one they did was in August, which is just a retrofit. So you don't even need to switch out the lock itself. You put a, a hub on the back after you take off the plate and uh, pretty easy to do there too. Yeah, I know that the August ones are, are pretty cool. There's one that you just take out the um, the pin and and you just put it in the um, the lock itself, and it, it it's it, like you said, it, it retrofits, um, it, which is it's, it's really neat. But with the the um, the motion sensors, you know, that it, it, like Tim was talking about, it's a cheaper way to not have to invest in say a a lady device and then the plugs forward and then the lights forward and all that you can just set it up like tim was talking about to turn on the lights turn on your fan or do whatever you need it to do and not have to necessarily put money into something you're just starting to get if you're just starting to make your home a smart home yeah to that end uh just because it is very applicable to that. Uh, you can also get smart switches, like uh, wall switches. Uh, and you know what's cheaper than buying a whole bunch of smart light bulbs? Buying one smart switch that runs a whole bunch of bulbs. Uh, and so uh, a, a lot of people, when they, they start the move into like a smart home and they think about these things, like, okay, I've got my motion sensors and now I'm going to get smart lights. You know how many light bulbs are in a normal house? <laughs> so the answer can be somewhere around 60 to 100 plus. Uh, and that's not even considering like massive houses. Uh, if you consider there's three or four in each room of your house, right? So it gets up there real fast. And so instead of spending even on more affordable smart lights at $10 a bulb, uh, you know, buying one $15 switch can really save you in the long run. Since we've gotten onto that, if I may, I've got a question for you, Justin, on that, because I know there was a time when dimmers, if you had a, a switch with a dimmer switch on it, that that was a little trickier and you had to actually take the whole plate off and, and do wiring and things. Is that better now than it used to be? Or a dimmer switch is still kind of a, a, a snag in the, in the whole thing? There's not a great retrofit for a dimmer switch. And I, I say yeah. this... Uh, not so much that like it's impossible or like even replacing the switch is that hard. But um, if you're in an older house, let's say you've got uh, 
you know, wiring that doesn't have a neutral or doesn't have a, a normal ground, right? So you've got two wires inside your wall instead of three in a modern house. Um, there isn't a easy solution for solving those. So if your house is new enough, uh, installing something like a Belkin uh, Wemo uh, dimmer switch is actually not that bad. You'd still maybe want an electrician or someone who's familiar switching uh, the whole switch out to do it, but it's not as bad as it used to be unless you're in an older house. There's not a good retrofit or a, a good option for an old house. Aaron, I think you wanted to talk about WISE, right? Yeah. So WISE, W-Y-Z-E, or WAYS, as I've heard it called uh, both ways, they are a more affordable option of what everything we're talking about. And with some of the budget options you have to go through and find the application that may be labeled differently than what the product is called. And then you've got to put in a number that's not even sent to you in an email or given to you, or the integration is just, you've got to download the app and enable this skill on the A-Lady devices, your Google uh, Google Audio devices, and it, you can even just forget Siri because it doesn't work with that. Um, and then you got to punch in the numbers and, and create an account through the skill on the A-Lady device. It can just be a whole, whole mess. Um, and with Waze, it, it's a more or wise. Um, it, it's low-cost solution that actually has some pretty good products. Justin, have you heard of this company before? Yes, I have. Um they have got a lot of really interesting products. I haven't been able to use them enough in order to give you a kind of review from my side, though. I've just seen them through. There, there's a guy that his channel is all dedicated to smart home automation, and he's talked them up a lot um, to the point where he's switched, has switched everything that Amazon, Google, and even our Siri integration related to these wise or ways products and i was and i'm gonna come this is something we can talk about because if somebody's done that and he is somebody who reviews smart home automation products all the time this is what he built his channel off of then there's got to be a reason why um, i can give you a reason why and so sure. i've i've done plenty of research on them i haven't used them uh, right so the the largest compelling argument for like wise uh, for their cameras and all of that is one low cost of unit. And then two, they don't do monthly fees. Um, there's a little bit that you've got to do on the back end in order to make them uh, as functional as something that does a monthly fee. Uh, and you do have the option of paying monthly for some of their services. Um, so they, they're a great low cost option. They've, traditionally had great customer service and uh, great integration. Um, so there, there's plenty of reasons there uh, as far as reliability is concerned. I've heard that people are pleased with them, but until I've been able to test something, I can't really go out on the limb there. Uh, I did try right. out like Eufy, uh, E-U-F-Y, that does a similar yeah. thing. They've got lower cost per unit. They've got great customer reviews. They avoid that monthly fee um, and they've, they worked phenomenally for me in my test cases. Um, however, I I went back to one of the larger integrators. Uh, actually, personally and for the people that I did installs, typically Ring uh, or Arlo, which is by Netgear, because they've got that larger support structure. And with their monthly fees, uh, you've got a more reliable service generally. Uh, so for an installer like myself or when I was, uh, it was just reliability and long-term uh, company viability that I personally went with. Uh, I think Wise and Eufy are great options though, especially if you've got the wherewithal to support yourself if something does start to go a little bit weird. Guys, we are running up on um, getting close to time. So I want to make sure that um, we give Tim and you know everybody interject um, the opportunity to talk about some of uh, some of what we've touched on with switches and light bulbs, um, fans, blinds, all the kind of, I don't want to say less techie, but um, the, the, littler, the littler pieces. And then we definitely want to open it up for Q&A. So, Tim, do you want to 
start off down that miscellaneous road. Absolutely. Yeah. The guy who's six foot four, 300 <laughs> pounds is doing the tiny stuff. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but these, these actually are going to be the probably the more affordable or most affordable things. And it's amazing how many different things you can do. So of course, we've talked a little bit about light bulbs. Justin was talking about you know, having a switch that controls a whole bunch of different light bulbs in a room as opposed to individuals. But that is an option. Say if you only have one area or one particular lamp, you know, you, you could just put a light bulb in it or you can actually get a smart plug. And those usually now, I mean, are not nearly as expensive as they used to be. Um, you can get a, you know, individual smart plugs. So you just basically use it as a pass-through, unplug whatever it is from the wall, plug the, you know, plug that into the smart plug, then plug that into the wall. And now with your, you know, Amazon Echo or, or Nest Hub device, you've just made something smart that wasn't smart before. Uh, yep. You could do that with a fan. You could do that with a lamp. You could do that with really anything that you plug in and tell it, turn this on, turn this off. Now, of course, you'll have to have it set. So if you have a fan, well, if you have it in the off position and then you tell it to turn on and well, it's just going to be still off. Um, so you can right. set it the you know medium, however, and you know then tell it to turn on and it always will do that for you. So smart plugs are a great inexpensive way to make pretty much anything in your home uh, accessible and smart as it, as it were. Uh, the switches we talked about. Um, one of the other things I want to go back a little bit on, and it's not necessarily one of the lesser expensive, but just as a quick uh, thing, when we're talking about cleaning, there are actually things to clean your windows as well. There's, I forget, it's like oh, a spider yeah. spider type thing. I don't know what it what it's actually called, but I've seen demonstrations of this or heard demos where you literally put it on the on the window and it's got the cleaning solution and you tell it to wash and it just washes your windows for you, you know, wipes them, cleans them. Um, so that's another smaller, physically smaller tech that can do things to help you and to make sure that you're, you're getting all the nooks and crannies. Um, another one of my favorite small devices, of course, are the, the different trackers. Now, one is actually called tracker, but minus the letter E in the word. Uh, Tile makes these as well as another company. And then, of course, Apple just came out with their Air Tags. Nice. And these are great because you can put them in something or attach them to something. Uh, although in the case of the Apple Air Tags, they don't have a hole punched in them already. I won't say whether or not you should or should not punch a hole in it. That That's up to you. Um, <laughs> but uh, there are people I, I, I who... Wouldn't. I wouldn't, but there are people who have, um, but I, I wouldn't. But uh, of course, Apple Smart, they do sell, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, keychains and things that you can attach it to so you can buy more accessories, buy more stuff. Yeah, that, that, that $600 case for a $40, $29 product, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and actually, those, the, the Apple ones are really nice because mm -hmm. basically what these do is will connect to your smartphone and tell you wherever it is. Uh, so yep. if you've used a tile, a tracker, or the AirTag, wherever you've put it, whatever you've attached it to, you can then tell your phone, this is a backpack. This is a mm -hmm. hotel room door, which I've done, mm -hmm. uh, or in a cruise ship, you've yep. got the little uh, mailbox on the outside of a cruise ship cabin door and put it inside there. So it's hidden. And then you can find your door, find your hotel room, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. you know, or, or your keychain, things like that. Um, and, and you can label it within your smartphone and, and say, this is what this is. And then if you've lost said thing or need to find it, uh, you can even, you know, attach it to different places around your house and almost have like you know beacons around your home or a place yeah, that you're not familiar yeah. with and it'll tell you where they are it'll beep and uh, let you know but then the nice thing about the the new air tags is that if you've got a uh, any iphone that has a nfc chip in it uh so that it can basically get very precise information unfortunately the the most recent popular phone amongst uh our community the the se does not have that um i found right. out the hard way but uh most of your newer phones are going to have an nfc chip and what that'll do is give you precise information mm -hmm. you can literally uh, put the tag, the air tag on something. And as you approach it, it will tell you how many feet or what the distance is away from it. Once you've actually walked right up to it, it'll tell you that it's there. So it's not just a general approximation. It's very right. specific to tell you where a particular item is. They also crowdsource it. So what that means is that if you've completely lost something and it's out of range of your phone where you can't find it, it'll, it'll in a secure private way, be up in the cloud, pinging other people's phones to then kind of get a, a location of it and tell you where it is. So again, yeah. 
whether you're blind or not, this is something that's very, very helpful. If you've left the backpack behind, I know people that have actually attached these to, to the, uh, the end of their cane in case for some yeah. reason they've walked off and walked off without their cane for some reason. And, and then they're like, okay, where did it go? Where did I leave that? Um, it, it, it can be very, very helpful in so many different ways. So, um, yeah, I, yeah just a, a handful of the smaller things, uh, that you can definitely get that are, that are making your life smarter. Mm-hmm. And can I recently talk about the blinds. Oh, I didn't mention blinds that I know. Yes, you can definitely do that. I was going to say that when I said the, the window with the spider cleaner thing and I forgot. Thank you, Mel. Um, yeah, you can get things uh, that will literally be smart blinds. Um, yeah. you, you tell your Amazon Echo, your, your Nest Home, uh, open the blinds, close the blinds, or you know, even just partially. Uh, so yeah. if, if you want them fully up or fully closed or partially uh, open or closed. And, you know, if you have you know, light sensor, you know, sensory issues, or just want to get more light into the house, or you're done for the night, you can actually have the blinds just automatically set to do that. You can set up routines mm-hmm. where certain time of the day, they'll actually, you know, open up or close or, or whatever. We were talking earlier about having routines set up with motion sensors. And, and that's where the motion sensors really are so nice because you could have it be where you walk into a room and the blinds go up and the lights turn on or the lights turn yep. off or, or what have you. And so with those smart blinds, uh, that adds that extra bit of functionality and accessibility to a room without you having to figure, okay, well, the blinds are behind the couch and over here and I need to open them, but yep. oh my gosh, or the kids got their toys all in the way and I can't get to the window. Well, there you go. Just ask your, your home device to open or close the blinds or have a sensor or a plug and uh, it, it, it does it all by itself. And actually, those are remarkably affordable. Yes, they are. One of the things that people always think of when they're like upgrading their house, blinds are expensive. Well, believe it or not, uh, there are retrofit kits that you can get installed that just clip onto the end, and then they'll manipulate the little uh, toggle that opens and closes your blinds. Uh, Those can be as cheap as like $30 uh, to get up and running. Or if you wanted to get an entire new set of blinds, Ikea even sells them now with the smart modules built in. Um, So you might be thinking, you know, $30 per window. Yeah, it can add up, but uh, it's not as bad as some people would think. Oh, and with the 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 air tags, I I have I just got a, a, like four of them. I'm gonna get more, <laughs> but I mean, uh, for me, you know, I've got uh, those things are, are really really awesome. I used to have the tiles, and now they've moved to a subscription thing where I, I get it. You know, they've got to make money too as developers, but we're paying a lot of money to. With subscriptions, anyways, and I wanted to stay away from that. So I've chucked one in the back, one in my backpack with my tech, uh, one of my in my audio gear bag, and then one in my guitar case and one in my banjo case, just to have them in there. And I really, <laughs> I just think it's it's really really neat because of the precise location. Um, I've actually told my fiance to you know go take my backpack and let me see if I can find it. And that precise location, you have to really think, okay, you have to go into, you can't go through walls. At least I can't go through, (laughs) I can't go through walls. So you have to say, oh, I need to go around this wall into the other room to find a specific thing. So you have to kind of rethink how you find things, but it's a really awesome, cool concept. Well, gentlemen, are you up for some Q&A? Let's Absolutely. go. Yeah. All right. Brandon, if you don't mind, about 10 minutes of Q&A. Rita, you are allowed to talk. Hi there. Hi, Rita. Hi. Um, Hi Rita. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little fast because I know your time constraints. A wonderful discussion. These devices are life-changing, uh, especially for people with vision and motor impairments <laughs> to be able to lay in bed and know your doors are locked. You know, it's amazing. Um there's a, there's a company called Halos, Tactile Icons, H-A-L-O-S. They're out of St. Louis, and they provide tactile overlays, and they will customize for specific devices like, you know, exercise equipment um, that can work in tandem along with your use of the app. Um, if you just want to turn on, you know, something or whatever, it's a wonderful option. Um, 
And also, Amazon sells um, light switch covers. You know, if you've got uh, some smart bulbs connected through, you know, a smart speaker um, and you need to keep that light switch in the up position to keep it on, um, they have these light switch covers that are magnetized and you just pop them right over the light switch so that it, uh, someone coming into your house won't turn the light switch off so it won't disengage, you know, to be able to be utilized. Um, and one more thing, um, <laughs> uh, there's uh, some power companies, uh, I live in the Midwest, Ameren had a project, a pilot project, where they came in and they made my house a smart home. They put in um, 20-some smart bulbs, uh, Google speakers, uh, a Nest thermostat, um, and it was a pilot project for persons with disabilities through your power company. So you may want to contact uh, your power company to see if they've got any of these pilot projects for people with disabilities. That's great. Thank you, Rita. Kevin, you're allowed to talk. Thank you. Um, great presentation. Great panel. Um, just curious from, so I'm blind myself and set up a smart home and stuff. And I uh, just want to hear from you guys, like, what are some either interesting or cool or things that in the before you weren't able to do like for example like one example is with the nest thermostat for myself be able to control that through an app that's accessible with voiceover be able to talk through through um either google home or alexa like that's open up things as well as like the august smart um smart pro august um pro the smart door lock like i just don't like carrying keys so it's really cool being able to lock the door with my voice and ch check the status right. but also when i approach the door it just automatically unlocks i get that sound um so i'm curious to hear from you guys um another cool one's ratio the smart sprinklers we have that and it's really great being able to just like have it set on a schedule or be able to turn it off through voice and things like that so i i think for me so we have one of our one of the rooms set up um in my bedroom we have it to where um, my fiance and I have it to where we just set up a routine where we just tell it, Hey, turn on, it turns on our fan and both of our nightstand lights. And when we're ready to go to bed, we just say good night and it will turn off uh, the lights and we'll keep the fan going. Um, and that's just one example that we have, but a long time, but like maybe two years ago, uh, I saw like a smart lawnmower and I was like, dude, that's, if I don't see anything else, that's the epitome of smart home right there. So I don't have to do it. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet, but I would love to. <laughs> yeah. I had to sell yeah. one of those online here recently, the smart lawnmowers where they basically do the same thing that a rumor does. They map out your, your yard and, and cut the grass for you, which, yeah, that's in my future. They're much, much more expensive. So uh, my distant future, but that's in my future. To, to answer your question, Kevin, for me, probably an honor honorable mention of something that I didn't even think about bringing up for this, and I, I wish I had, um, but I'll, I'll say it now, is the Amazon Fire TV Cube. Uh, there's other mm. devices that do this, and the Cube is basically an Apple TV and you know those types of devices, Roku, you know, does all the same stuff with apps and things. But what I purchased it for was because it had the ability to um, to control my television and control my cable box. And for my Apple TV, it just switches to it. So basically, all I have to do is say the wake word and say switch to Apple TV, switch to satellite. Uh, go to you know this channel. Go to that channel. What's on you know TNT tonight, or you know what's on right now on this channel, and it will give me that information uh, once it's all set up. It, it, it takes care of all that, and like any other Amazon device, you know it, it's got the voice view uh, on screen, but then it's got uh, Lady A, of course, built in. And, you know, like I said, there are other devices that do this, but they're a little bit more expensive. So that's, again, why I went with the Fire TV Cube. But to be able to control my television without worrying about, 
you know, is the on-screen menu accessible? Is, you know, is the, how, how many buttons are on this new remote that I've got? And that kind of thing. And being able to get that information quickly to have that connected to my cable box, to my television, uh, and just be able to say, switch to this, go to that, you know, mute that that's my favorite function, you know, mute the TV or volume up 20%, you know, volume down, you know, whatever, um, you know, channel up to be able to just do that verbally. I don't even have any kind of, you know, motor skill issues, but sometimes the remotes are a little confusing or, you know, your battery dies or you just need to get it quickly. You know, you don't want to find the remote in the couch somewhere um, or just get that information is what's on a particular channel at a particular time to have that ability verbally and, and in a smart way has been, I know it's kind of first world problems, but that's been a life changer for me. Well, when the cat sits on the remote and won't move, then you really have a problem. So, yeah, you know, so, yeah, being I, able to talk I, I to your TV is, yeah, it's helpful in that, in that situation, isn't it? Yeah. John, you are allowed to talk. Thank you for the opportunity. Really enjoying the show. I have a, Lots of smart plugs and light bulbs, but mainly I want to ask you regarding the smart vacuum. It's, um, oh no, I turned off my speech. I have a GE Comfort air conditioner, window unit, 10,000. It's a smart air conditioner. I can't get past the app capture to where it says I am not a robot. I was wondering if, um, if you know that's, if that happened with the, the, the robot vacuum. You know what I mean by it? The, when I downloaded the app for the GE smart air conditioner, I couldn't log on because of the capture where right. there's pictures. Yeah. So um, I'm running into that a lot. I was wondering if any of y'all had, a, a, you know, been able to uh, get past that. And also I have smart light bulbs that are purchased through Amazon and I haven't been able to. It's a third party. I did not know that. I thought it was Amazon's. Um and I haven't been able to download. I can't find the app to download. You know, when you when you utilize Amazon's plugs, it, it syncs up very easily um, to your Mrs. A. It already it finds new new smart home product and then it starts to work. But with these third party products, well, for example, with the GE Comfort, I still can't get past that Comfort. Uh, I mean that mm -hmm. um, capture. I'll jump in on the GE, uh, owning several of their air conditioners. I'll be honest, I have not been able to make them uh, set up either uh, for the same reason. I don't think that's a user error issue. I think that's maybe just the app. Yeah. And then with the, the your bulbs, go into the Alexa, uh, go into that app, the A-Lady app, and look in the app store for your model of light bulb and there should be a skill that you have to enable and it, it might allow you or need or need you rather to create an account for it to for them to work uh, you might have to get some sighted assistance to put in codes for the application to recognize the bulbs but that's would be that would be my recommendation Janet, you are allowed to talk. Well, Tim, you gave me so many things to think about. <laughs> it's <incredible>. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we are finishing our smart home and our appliances are not coming until October. So I guess I can order all these things and try to learn how to use them before they get here because I have plenty of time. But um, the light switches, we're putting in switches. So does that mean that I can start now with something that has a dimmer, I can, I can, because some switches are being put in. Entirely. Yeah, that's, yeah, that is truly and honestly the time to do it. Could you spell what I need to get? Something with a B, I heard Justin say. Belkin has their Wemo line that has served me extremely well. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm certain that you could find any major name, uh, but I, I really did like the setup and install process of Belkin, and they've never given me any difficulty, which would be B-E-L-K-I-N. Great. And does anybody know a ceiling fan with a light fixture that runs it accessible with Alexa? I know they make them. I just don't know who it is. Yeah, I know right. that they do make a smart ceiling fan, or you can probably get around that with the switch on the wall if it's attached mm -hmm. to a particular panel oh. or switch, um, because of course you're you can control it 
you know, maybe just turning it on and off from the panel or the There switch, is a but, switch on the wall for it. Yeah. But as far as changing speeds and lights and things like that, you know, usually the panel is going to be, or your switch is going to be on and off, maybe a dimmer possibly, but you know, as far as speeds and things, you, you'd mm -hmm. have to look at a very specific ceiling fan mm -hmm. and I'm not familiar. I don't know if Justin, you would know that or not, but um, I, I know they're like, like Mel said, I know they exist, but I don't, I don't know much about them. Well, this was just great. And Tim, how do we get to your podcast? I mean, you or how search, do we get in contact with you? Yeah, um, my email is tim at lifeafterblindness.com. Uh, or if you just search any podcast app for Life After Blindness, or of, of course, just go to lifeafterblindness.com and you'll, you'll get everything you need about me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. Um, so if anything, this taught me we need a bigger Q&A time. So I will take that feedback for next <laughs> year. <laughs> um, I love that everyone's been so engaged. Um, let me, uh, if I may, um, I want to do um, the door prizes that ACB Next Generation um, has donated to some of our sessions. Um, and so we are doing um, two $10 gift cards that we will get in touch with you after convention for. And one of those is going to Karen Campbell and the other is going to Julie Miller. So we will be in touch, um, but above all, and I'll give the CEU code in just a second, but I wanna thank everybody for being here on behalf of CCLVI and on behalf of ACV Next Gen. Um, we just wanted to make sure that we were having uh, a different conversation, like I said, where we were looking at a very wide gamut of what's out there to truly make you work smarter and not harder. Um, we all have a lot going on in our lives and regardless of just flat out accessibility, I don't know about you, but I like sitting on my couch and not getting off of it. Um, <laughs> I know I need to get moving. I understand that, but these definitely help. So if I may, um, the closing CEU code is 71908. Again, that's 719. Nine zero eight, and I cannot thank Aaron, Tim, and Justin enough um, for being panelists on this event today. So thank you all so so much.